to the most perfect like connection just her talking about how john understands the ocean better than everyone and then he just goes straight into the best wave of the event can you give us a bit of insight to what it's like surfing with someone like john john in these wild lineups what's he seeing that the rest of us aren't <laughs> everything pretty much he's just so good in the ocean um and he moves and looks at things that we're not even paying attention to and um swings pretty late on some waves well well stace galbraith king lord and champion of the box how are you sir that's a absolutely massive call um but for just a punter it was nice to be in the elements, Mikey, trying to make the trying to make the lads proud, and and uh, and Malia proud. She she paved the way for me out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for anyone wondering, I got I woke up to a text this morning, a video of my podcast co-host soul arching, just absolutely like nonchalantly into a gaping cavern at the box uh dead across from the finals day occurring at uh market river main break and it, it just made my morning i must say so uh congratulations on that stace that is a hallmark moment yeah it definitely definitely was i think it was one of those scenarios where i always felt um compelled to at least go for a, a look out there at some point this trip I just don't feel sometimes when you're doing podcasts about surfing and making comments about surfers and then you, you're not really like going in their realm. So I'm still not going in their realm, but it was nice to understand, you know, perhaps what they're feeling out there. And it was a fucking pretty unique experience. It got pretty lucky. The crowd was really mellow and I think everyone was pretty cooked from a couple of good, really good days. And it was, I don't know, it was four, four or five feet and still pretty fun. The wind stayed good and... It was fucking pretty nerve-wracking. I was definitely shitting myself. Yeah, and uh, so everybody else will be able to see this video when Stace's joyride on the... Was it the LSD that you got that wave on? Yeah, it was a 6.2 LSD um, hammer, which I've been having a really good time on over here, but it's been... The wave count has been really low, but the, the quality, I, I hope, has been there. <laughs> yeah, that's it's... it's uh, you only need one, is as the old saying goes. Um, and one of my favorite parts, you know, after the soul arch, after the massive spit, and after the, the no claim claim, was that you started paddling back out, and kudos to the filmer, I think it was Dill Roberts, who uh, kept filming through the entire saga. Uh, you kicked out, you started paddling, and then after a few strokes, you just had to sit back down on your board and just kind of take it all in tell me about that feeling um yeah it was i don't know man it was i'm not close with jack mccauley but i'm certainly close with all of his friends over here and it was a really somber day on finals day it felt um that everyone was keeping the mccauleys in their thoughts and it was just overwhelming. I think that for me to just have experienced like such a crazy, enjoyable moment, I was then just sort of confronted with the fact of what like, you know, Bronte had done through her day and, and what Dave must be going through. And it was, I don't want to get too deep, but it was pretty, 
pretty special to be able to just sort of share a little surf like that and, and get a fun wave. And then, uh, I don't know, you think about some of the hard times that people are going through, particularly in this community. It was like, just felt so grateful to be out, out there and, um, I don't know, getting blown out of barrels. I don't think there's anything better in our world, Mikey. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and for anybody who's not aware, um, I just want to, I guess, shed some light on what was kind of the um, main kind of like, I don't know, the crux of that finals day, which is that um, Jack McCauley, who is the younger brother of Bronte McCauley, um, unfortunately passed away, I think, either on the day before or two days before the finals day of the event. Um, and Bronte, who was still in the event at that time, did decide to surf her semifinal, which, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, words can't even describe the amount of kind of courage and strength that that takes. Um, and I know that, you know, that was the whole day was kind of dedicated to Jack. I know that, you know, Tati and I think Felipe made reference to him at some point along their run. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it just, I'm, I'm so far removed from it in a geographical sense, but like, I just know even when I was watching Bronte's heat that day, I, I just, I've never wanted somebody to like win so badly um but in that same sense too like i was thinking about it and i was like oh man like what do you do if you're in tati's position you know coming against the person who their brother just passed away a day ago like that's that's like the heaviest thing ever but then i thought about it and i was like there is no way in hell that bronte would ever want anybody to give her like a walkthrough because of that sort of situation like that would in like i feel like that would make her feel worse i don't know yeah, I think that like what Bronte showed us um, and the whole family, what they what they're showing us, like with their you know their vulnerability and their openness to sort of bear their emotions on display for all of us to to witness was nothing short of inspiring. And Bronte's performance was unbelievable. You know, she surfed how we've all been enjoying her this whole week. She didn't hold back. She put on such a brave performance in front of the crowd you know like every time she paddled for a wave or stood up or you know was coming around on the ski or anything like the crowd was right behind her and you could feel it and I just can't um can't imagine what you know she must have been going through to be able to pull that off so full credit to her and the the family for being able to support her and, and everyone through that and then I think like what you mentioned I think Tatiana needs a huge huge mention as well because there's just would be nothing harder than you know she probably was the person who was closest to Bronte that whole day other than the immediate family and you know to be in that same space with her and sharing the lineup um it was over it was overwhelming for Tatiana I know that it was and and I think that she handled her day really professionally and really respectfully because it would be hard to drop the humanity and put your competitor's hat on in that situation, like, which, you know, Tatiana, like I said, I think she handled herself really well and she deserves a lot of credit as well because it's such a unique and, and sad situation. So um, it's it's really hard to honestly, like, talk about anything in the event. Like, there's so many things that happen in this event and it's hard to, like, actually take any of them 
that seriously when you have a situation like this because it's so like i mean you know john john got hurt he might not go to the olympics but like what does that even really matter in the grand scheme of things you know what i mean like somebody lost their brother lost their son like it's i don't know it's just it's so hard to even contemplate um and 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 like i mean not that this matters at all but like just like an incredible surfer as well like um we had jed smith do kind of a profile of the macaulay family not even two or three months ago um because they're just such a staple in that region and just i don't know just a beautiful beacon of light and and you know just australiana like you know competitive surfing and uh the dad dave is i think the reigning masters world champion and obviously bronte's having an incredible career for herself and uh jack basically is who bronte and her sister call the best surfer in the family you know of all these incredible uh their dad was almost a world champion at one point um but jack to them was like the best surfer in the family especially at waves like um you know, up in the, up in the Northwest, there's a left up there that he kind of specialized at and he kind of showed Bronte the ropes up there. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to even like move away from that and consider anything else as being important. But, um, that being said, there were a lot of really cool and not cool and important things that happened in this event. So, um, I guess we do ultimately have to kind of like veer into those. Um, and first and foremost, as you mentioned earlier, uh, kudos to Malia Manuel, who had a proper swing out at the box uh, before the event even ran. Um, I thought that was absolutely amazing. So how much say did you have in her going out there? A lot, as well as her partner, Kona. Um, it's just the encouragement, I think, that people like myself can offer and, and sort of that affirmation in, you know, someone's ability to, I guess, just push their limits in a, in a manner that's responsible. And I think that uh, action sports is guilty sometimes of, of pushing athletes too far for entertainment's sake. But I think when you have a relationship like I do with Malia, I know she trusts me a lot and I I have so much faith in her ability and I know what she likes to achieve within her surfing and I think that her skill set definitely deserved to be out there and still does and I think that was on show for everyone. I know she likes being challenged and I know she likes getting barreled. So when you break it down like that, it was only a matter of time before her and the other women start tackling that wave. So I think that what she showed us was that it's certainly possible. Um, and if you be respectful about it, wait to wait at her turn like anyone else, didn't get any special treatment and had a really enjoyable time. Yeah, I mean, she made it look like just kind of like another wave that you could just go out and surf. Like, I don't know, like as much as it probably is a a lot of self delusion, like she made me feel like, Oh, like dude, like I could go have a swing at the box. Like 
You know what I mean? Like, she just made it look, like, not that easy. Like, most of her drops, she was, like, knifing into it really nice and buttery. There was that one where she, like, had a proper air drop. She took off in a part where, like, normally the chip shot is, but it wasn't on that one. And she did a full air drop and, like, tried to late bottom turn and didn't get it. And that was super exciting and fucking epic that she went for it. But, like, the good ones that she got, it was just, like, straight in and straight out. And... Just made it look like a pretty straightforward wave, which even a lot of the guys kind of like fail to do sometimes. Like, I don't know, you watch Italo's first wave out there and it looks like the most chaotic thing ever. But it seems like um, one of those spots where if you understand how it works and where to take off and how to take off, like it's fairly doable. Would you say that that's kind of like your take on it as well? Yeah, it's kind of to me even though i only spent like 45 minutes out there it's a place where you've got to drop your instinct to want to chase the peak down and and like what you see in all the clips if you can come from behind it then it's a fairly um straightforward ride but the skill that's required to do that is is quite high and like i said earlier i think that certain people have the skill set but maybe just don't push themselves and i'd put malia in that basket She's she'd grown up in a place that has a similar offering of waves and I know she feels really comfortable at home. And the only thing missing from this wave to some of the other waves she's used to surfing is that it's just not home and it's in a wetsuit. So that's where I would say that, yeah, she in the end made it look pretty straightforward. But that She has a wealth of knowledge in that space. So that's, I think, worth mentioning as well. Um, the other thing too is that when you're a bottom feeder out there, some of those smaller inside ones are actually more dangerous than some of the bigger, more obvious waves. So I think she handled that really well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that kind of segues us into one of my favorite moments of the entire event. So on the opening day, I remember distinctly, I was like so tired. Obviously, I'm in a different time zone than WA. Um, and I just wanted to go to bed so bad. But I looked at the heat schedule and the next heat up was John Florence versus loser number one and loser number two. And I was like, God damn it, I have to stay up and watch this. And it was the best decision I made all week because... Um, that was the heat where John ended up getting his 10, which just had the most miraculous, like it was almost like the WSL literally like knew this was going to happen somehow, but of course they didn't. Um, but basically it, (laughs) of course it was you interviewing Malia, which was like kind of like funny and awesome in and of itself. And then she just segues directly into like to the most perfect like connection, just her talking about how John understands the ocean better than everyone. And then he just goes straight into the best wave of the event. Can you give us a bit of insight to what it's like surfing with someone like John John in these wild lineups? What's he seeing that the rest of us aren't? <laughs> Everything pretty much. He's just so good in the ocean. Um, and he moves and looks at things that we're not even paying attention to. And, um, swings pretty late on some waves. And he's probably on a wave right now. And I miss it because I'm so short. And you're bothering me. <laughs> well, you get back to the action. Thank you very much for your time. Miss Malay Manuel, queen of the box. 
Yeah, it was like too perfectly timed. Oh. Like it just it, it. I was like, I had to actually think about like, wait, could they have like pre-filmed that and put it there? And then I like thought about the commentary. And I was yeah. like, no, they couldn't. Like that that actually just happened. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, so it might be like a surprise to know, but like a lot of those interviews are to tape and some of them are live and that one was live. So if that had been to tape, that would have been a disaster. The, you know, the, the interview and the wave would have not sunk up at all and it would have been terrible. But because it was live, it, it just was, it was beautiful. I had another moment like that in the event actually where I had Owen coming up to me just before his heat and I was trying to get a quick word out of him before he ran out and I did like a big intro and then just as he was on my shoulder, I turned around to give him the mic and he just kind of looked at me and tapped his head and then ran back into his locker and got his gaff helmet and then ran back out. And I just completely butchered the moment and just went, just good luck, Owen. Like, didn't even ask him a question. <laughs> and and that was one that was to tape and it was just so awkward. Like, he couldn't even use it. It was terrible. So, um, yeah, there's definitely moments like that throughout the event where you think you're killing it and then you realise you've just ruined a a moment or you know gotten someone's way before they're trying to paddle out or something so yeah it's uh it's a fun juggle yeah so um obviously from that point on um john john's quest to victory did not go so smoothly um he ended up surfing a heat later on against peterson crisanto and ultimately got pretty hurt um, he got hurt about halfway through the heat on a wave where he tried to kind of jam the end section as he always does. And the whitewater kind of just put him in an awkward position and he got compressed to his surfboard and hurt his left knee, which, uh, we know he's had injuries in, I think 2018 and 2019 to his knee, but this is actually the other knee. This is his left knee. So um, as far as we know, he's never actually had a major injury to this knee. But he pulled out of the event after that. He missed his quarterfinal. And he flew home where he's going to consult with his doctors and figure out how bad it is. Um, and at this point, I guess he's thinking mainly about two things. One, being the Olympics. And two, being can he make it still into that top five at the end of the year to compete in lowers. So, uh Tell me, have you heard anything about John John that hasn't been reported elsewhere? No, I haven't. Um, I was actually surprised to learn how quick he exited the state and then exited the country. That was very swift. Um, and I'm sure he's in good hands in the States or at home, wherever he is. And I know he'd be trying his hardest to um, get back in the water as quick as possible because the way the ratings look, he um, will definitely need you know, more points if he wants to make the final five. Yeah. Um, so obviously we have Rado coming up next. And then um, I don't know what you've heard, but uh, I've kind of heard that Brazil for sure almost won't happen and that Mexico might not happen either. What are you hearing on your side? Brazil's a challenging one. Um, I haven't heard anything for certain, but it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out the risk versus reward on that one. And I don't think it's a personal thing with the the country or the athletes on tour or or, or anything like that. It's just the way the world is at the moment. And I, I appreciate the massive sacrifice that all the athletes, including 
the Brazilian athletes have made to come to Australia for such a long time. But I just think that where Brazil's at at the moment in its handling of the pandemic is is definitely giving some people concern, and rightly so. So on that note, I don't believe Brazil is going to happen. I haven't heard anything about Mexico, which is a shame, but it's just the world we're living in. Yeah, so if um, if those two events disappear, then I think that just leaves Lamar and Tahiti, um, which John is not especially accomplished in Lamar, that's for sure. He's obviously done pretty well a few times in Tahiti. He's never won the event. Um, and looking at the standings, like he's in fourth after this event, and he's obviously going to miss Rado. I would wager to say that he'll probably lose out of the top five after that event. Um, and then, you know, he's also like, if I don't know, like if you're John, do you care more about the Olympics this year or do you care more about the world title or at least the chance to be in that WSL finals event? I don't like answering on behalf of other people. But if I had to take a stab at your question, I would say John at this point probably cares more about the Olympics, which I feel funny saying that, but it's just the way that it seems that he's, you know, been something he's been obviously aiming towards quite fiercely. Uh, He surfed in pipeline with a pretty bad-looking knee just to make sure that Kelly didn't qualify for it. So that's obviously shown his intent there. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Especially if, like, he's not, you know, 100%. He knows the last event is going to be at a wave where he is not especially favored compared to his competitors in regards to the world title, that is. Um, And I also, you know, um, when the whole John incident happened, we did a bit of, like, deep, deeper digging. And uh, Brendan Buckley went ahead and talked to Brett Simpson, who is, of course, the coach for Team USA. And Brett told us something interesting that essentially a person who's qualified for the Olympics, they have to pull themselves out. It's not as if, um, you know, the country or the team or whatever can say, oh, you're injured. You know, we're going to bring up the next guy. So technically speaking even if John Florence was still severely injured heading into the Olympic start date, he could still quote unquote surf, even if that meant paddling out and riding waves prone or, you know what I mean? Like not even trying to catch a wave or whatever, like just to say, I guess that he was in the Olympics, which which does not at all align with John's personality for me, for what I've seen. But that being said, like there is, a serious level of prestige one and just saying that you made the Olympics like that's incredibly cool everyone would want to say that and also there's a pretty substantial paycheck attached to that as well and obviously you know that paycheck gets bigger depending on how well you do in the event but I think just as an appearance fee like there is some serious money to be made for these athletes who as we've discussed before they they have a short window for earning. You know what I mean? So they really do need to maximize. And the Olympics are, 
you know, as we say, the biggest stage in well, sport. Well, maybe John so. won't go because then he won't have to pay his self a bonus and he can leave more capital in his company. Hmm. Maybe that might happen. <laughs> yeah. So this is all a big business strategy for Florence Marine X, which actually, uh, it should be noted, just launched their first line of apparel this week. Um, so, yeah, that that is a theory. And... Um, it does bring to light, again, we mentioned this in the last podcast in relation to Kolohe's injury, but it's really seeming more and more likely that Robert Kelly Slater is going to be an Olympian in his 49th year of life, which is pretty incredible. Same problem, though. He's going to have to pay himself a big bonus. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe all these guys are just going to pull out. It's going to be Seth Moniz and Griffin Colapinto. And, and they're just going to send Billabong broke with all these Olympic bonuses that probably haven't been built into contracts because they were situated so far outside the cutoff. Um, it's a funny one. The Olympics is something that I'm still at odds with of where I sit on the fence. I just think that for sure there's going to be more eyeballs on it than ever. Does that mean it's better than a world title? I don't think so. And we'll just have to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I mean, it is, but it isn't, right? Like, you know, there are, it's just a different fan base. Like, there are probably so many people who know who Ben Gravy is and don't know who Italo Ferreira is. Like, it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, we think of surfing as one thing because we're so deeply embedded in, like, the quote-unquote kind of, like, core culture. But surfing is so many other things to so many other people. And to some people, the Olympics will be the only thing that matters. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, there's no right or wrong, even though we both know that there is a right and a wrong. (laughs) But uh... (laughs) for sure, there's a there's a demographic there's a demographic out there that like where no one's even touching. And it's the it's the Ben Gravies and the Kale Brocks of the world that are really showing everyone that surfing has a massive pool of people um, that want to be entertained and they want to be um, consuming product and and getting out of the water. And for sure, they, they deserve to be. Surfing's the sickest thing ever. I think that nothing bad could come from Kelly Slater getting a start in the Olympics. Like, I'm all for that. Like, I don't have, like, obviously I think Kelly, you know, assuming everyone was at full health, I don't think Kelly would do as well in the Olympics as Kolohe or John. But I am, like, so far removed from, I don't know, like, the nationalistic side of the Olympics. Like, I just want to see Kelly in the Olympics because I think that's, so incredible for his legacy and like that's just so exciting to me i don't care whose spot he takes like if john john doesn't get in the olympics if chloe doesn't get in the olympics it doesn't matter like if kelly's in i'm i'm all in like i'm wearing my freaking bald head cap and (laughs) i'm going full cheer squad Um, so anyway on the point of injuries we also lost ace bucken from the remainder of the australian leg uh, which, of course, is just one event. But um, Ace, I believe, fractured a vertebrae. Um, do you know anything more about that? I don't know anything more about the injury, but I saw the wave he did it on, and it was 
a hectic end section of just like two six foot waves coming together and he had a red hot go and tried to you know pull down a huge finishing turn and it, it was like a car crash man it was heavy um so i was stoked to see him actually walk out of the water from that um and then yeah it's an unfortunate time for ace because he he hasn't really hit his stride yet through the australian leg and obviously he's no spring chicken he'd be one of the older surfers on the tour um without kelly being there ace might even be the oldest so I just think it's a tough time for him to be dealing with this. I know he was looking forward to Rottnest Island. He'd been there as a junior and pretty fun running left. It would have suited him. And it's, um, yeah, it's just shitty timing. Never good timing to be injured, but especially at the moment with only one event left in your home country and then some big decisions to make about how you do the rest of the year. Yeah, and also very limited chance of winning that uh, injury wild card as well with Slater and Kolohe looking unlikely to finish out the year. Um, it would, you know, it would, as much as, uh, you know, Ace and I have had our squabbles, it would be really unfortunate to see someone of that pedigree going out on a bit of a technicality. You know what I mean? Rather than, you know, of his own volition or just simply getting out surfed. Um so, yeah, I, we wish the best to Ace in his recovery. Um, we know that he can bring some magic in Chopo, so at the very least, I hope he's back for that event. Um, he's won there before, and if he can do that again, I'm sure he can hold his spot on tour. Exactly. He's such a, such a you know, part, big part of professional surfing. You want to see someone like that go down swinging, not just, oh, got a bit of a tweaked neck, going to have to the cord i hope that's not the case i hope he gets to you know we were talking about this the other day i remember when snake retired uh i'm not sure if he i don't think he requalified uh through the hawaiian leg and then the first event of the year was the quicksilver pro on the gold coast and quicksilver gave him the wild card so that he could retire on home soil and i thought that was pretty cool uh well yeah it's too bad hurley's not a surf brand anymore or else that could maybe be a possibility oh um but on that, oh my God, can we just talk about like the end section at Margaret River? Like it took out John, it took out Ace. I don't know how it didn't take out more people. Like the the amount of actually like I, these surfers must be spending so much time doing squat jumps in the gym because the sections they were able to ride out of were just absolutely incredible. Like I, I was watching Tati on finals day, that one that she was able to somehow hold on to, like they're just getting so low and so compressed and going so fast. Like, yeah, that, I don't know. That's just like a totally Keely, Andrew and Isabella Nichols got really flexed on that end section in their heat. Uh, Keely basically head butted it and Isabella had to rip her leash because it was wrapped around the rock and in the same heat, um, just to get away from her board and her leggy and, you know, survive. So it's it's the real deal. And the worst part about it is when you're taking off on the peak out the back, you have no real idea of where your wave is going to end, whether it's going to kind of end up inside this, the table or on the left-hand side. So it's it's a gamble. But no matter what happens, if that section's coming towards you and... and 
you're doomed either way. If you haven't done a big turn out the back, you know you have to do a big turn on that end section to just salvage some kind of a score. If you've done a huge turn out the back and you're coming towards that end section with heaps of speed and it's big and ugly, you're just thinking this is a nine. If I can get to the end of this wave, I'm, this is the heat right here. So in, in no scenario are you kicking out, you are hitting it. And I think everyone did this event where they could. It was, you know, brave. Yeah, I mean, it's like watching a, like a snowboarder try to outrun an avalanche, basically. Like it's, and you see different techniques too. Like some people go early and try to get that little squirt when the two pieces come together and they try to like just get that little like shoot out in front. And then other people hit the end section hard enough and try to project out in front of it. And then some people just try to like power straight through the whole thing, which is probably the hardest. But yeah, it's uh, entertaining to say the least. Like it makes what would otherwise be a fairly, you know, kind of like sleepy wave, I guess, like really impactful and fascinating. Totally. Miguel Pupo had an Italo Ferreira narrabeen moment where uh, in his round three heat, I'm pretty sure it was, versus Philippe, he smashed one. Huge turn into this big floater before the end section, landed, was riding out in front of the wave, like completely locked in. He, he hadn't fallen off his board. And the two sections just came together and just absolutely destroyed him and there was just no chance of him ever... Uh, being able to regain his feet. It's just, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You can get there early, you can get there late, but every time it's different and you've just got to do your best to grit your teeth and, and hang on. Yeah, it's also just the, <laughs> the scariest place to fall because, like, you're just getting tumbled for so long if you don't make it out in front of that thing. Like, that's the type of section where you're just getting washed for, like, ever and ever Unless and ever. Unless you go left, like Geordie Smith. First, Julian Wilson. Did you see that? Mm, yeah. Whew, well, I didn't, but I not live at least. I didn't get to watch much of this event live, but I did go back through it. And I think one of my favorite parts actually was your interview, which gave much greater context to the situation. Whenever, wherever, Geordie Smith, that's got to feel good, my friend. Absolutely. I just kept falling on those last turns. And then... Uh, you know, 10 seconds ago, I shook his hand, and then I said, oh, hang on, we, uh, we might have been for a little bit of a backside snap here, and then, yeah, I just put two up in the, in the left, and neither three, I don't think I got four something, but whatever, that's frothing. You shook his hand? Yeah, John, John, Jamie O, pipeline stuff. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'll take anything to get the score. Doesn't matter if you're in by an inch or a mile, Vin Diesel said. Well, thanks, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about the start of that heat. You waited 12 minutes to get your first wave. Julian with a couple of scores on the board. We obviously uh, happy to let that play out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't the best heat, to be honest. Like, I just I knew there were bombs, and then every time the bomb came, we were just getting caught inside. And so then I just kind of put a five mid-range five up. I thought, okay, well, let's get the ball rolling here. Oh, thanks, Lord. Um, and then. Yeah, he kind of just kept chipping away, and then I, they, you really got to push it to get big scores out there. Um, and I feel like we weren't doing that on our on our waves. Um, they were only allowing for one big turn, uh, and you got to do like three pretty much, unless you just do one John turn. 
You got you got a big Geordie turn in you at some point this event? Oh yeah, I throw this kicker around all over the joint. Yeah, it's cool to see him loosen up a little bit again. Like he obviously up until this event wasn't having the best year. Um, but he seemed to find a bit of something in, in the, you know, I guess just really the power of these waves. Like that's where he's always kind of shown his level above the rest of the tour. He's just a bigger guy. You know what I mean? Like in obviously super talented and techie as well in the small stuff, but it's just, how do you compete against someone like Italo? You know what I mean? When it's two to three foot beach break and when it gets to like a proper, you know, six foot face with some wind and he's just able to like power these waves more than most. So, um, I love seeing that come out and I love when Jordy gets cocky when he gets cocky. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. It's so good. And I think, yeah, on that, we've got a segue into Philippe, obviously, Jordy getting second to Philippe in the event and Philippe's record in finals is just so unbelievable. He's eight from nine. And the way he... He's only lost one final in his life. And that was to John at Bells when it was 100 foot and, you know, he still put up a pretty good fight. Wow. It was so nuts, man, how he builds into events so well I actually think Geordie has got a similar attempt at trajectory although even Geordie would admit that he scrapped through a few earlier but Geordie in the semi in the final was like a different surfer to his whole event whereas like Philippe was electric the whole event but then in the final he was even up a gear again like Philippe's base level is so crazy um, and I just respect his turn surfing so much. Like his speed and, and power to size is... Yeah, I agree. And I mean, like I, I guess, kind of used him in the last podcast as an example of someone who was a bit lighter and who couldn't quite generate the same speed in bigger waves because of that, but... I think he showed here that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say this without really seeing him through the latter stages of the event, but it feels like he probably could have even, like, competed with John a little bit. Like, it, it's a different type of surfing. You know, John's turns are longer, certainly, and they're probably, he's pushing the rail still a little bit deeper into the water. His board's a little bit more on an angle, but... But Felipe's turns are so sharp and just punchy, and it just feels like he's just absolutely ripping through the lip. Um, like, even in that final against Jordy, like, Jordy's turns were great, but Felipe's just have this spark to them that's just kind of like nobody else is really doing that. Yeah, I think it would have been a really good entertaining, um, you know, matchup, should have Philippe and John ever met, whether a semi or a final or whatever. I think that they're the two sort of standouts for me. Uh, front side anyway that you could have point of difference like with John going kind of fast and long in his turns and Philippe kind of going still quick but a bit more up and down and a bit tighter it would it would have been a good discussion as to you know what you prefer I still think John obviously has the edge but Philippe was looking really competitive and really fired up I think it would have been a cool battle and then we'd be remiss of us to leave Gabriel out he really 
showed his class, I think, across those two bigger days with how he manages the ocean and the way he generates scores. He um, had a posted interview where he said that he rode the same board for the first two heats. And the first two heats, the size difference in the waves was was half the size. The first day was massive. He said it was the biggest waves he'd ever seen in a heat. And then the next day he rode the same board when it was half the size. And to me, that just blew my head off my body. When everyone's running around grabbing their six fours and, or whatever, he, or basically him and John John were just riding such small equipment. It was nuts. Yeah, well, that shows, you know, kind of two things. One is just their ability on a surfboard which uh you kind of just can't even control for that to a certain degree like you can scrutinize surfing as much as you want but some people's just sheer ability to ride a surfboard is inexplicable and and it's like even like thinking about it too much is almost just like a worthless endeavor um and those are two of the few guys in the world who really fall into that category for me and two is just like a true, true confidence and affinity in a piece of equipment. And I think a lot more surfers can relate to that, even everyday surfers. Like we've all had boards in our lives that we just feel like are we're so connected to that even if it's not necessarily made for a certain condition, we'd still feel better on that board than we would on a board that was theoretically designed for the conditions on a given day. Um, so yeah, for me, it's probably a mix of those two things that allowed Gavin to do that. I'm going to sprinkle in paddle power as well, because the speed at which those swells were moving on the first day, you could feel it from the, from the stairs. I couldn't imagine what it would feel like in the lineup. My sore toe was just flared up that day. So I didn't, I didn't go for the Arvo surf. Um, but yeah, it was fucking a hundred foot. It was so big. Fuck. It was big. Holy shit. And the thing with Margs is that, like, it breaks further out and, like, some big waves around the world or whatever, they kind of get a bit mushier or whatever. But Margs, as it breaks further out, gets steeper and more tubing. Like, some of the lefts, which were unrideable, but they had, like, these moments of, you know, top-to-bottom barrel that was so wild. Like, the wave that Jaddy fell off on was fucking nuts. Yeah, and I just, um, you know, my observance of this event was mostly just through the heat analyzer so i'm just going from heat to heat mostly just clicking the green dots uh the waves that matter so my perception is definitely not like what yours would be or anybody who watched the whole event would be but that said i remember on that first day when i was clicking through and you know guys were doing good kind of like nice big beautiful s turns and all that but it just felt like the way Gabby was attacking the lip was just on such a different level. Like he just looked so confident, so far from timid, like the, whatever the opposite of timid is, is exactly what he was. And that was aggressive comes to mind. Don't know if it's the exact opposite, but he's just aggressive. He hasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about his loss. Um, I, I reviewed this heat a little bit, but, um, I feel like you probably had to like kind of watch the whole thing to really understand it. Yeah, look, it was a funny one. He he had an okay start. Like I know Gabriel likes to start relatively well, and he got a six. I'm pretty sure fairly early in that heat, and then 
you know, he couldn't find a four for whatever the rest of that heat, which I'm not too sure. It, it's hard for me to have an opinion on it because I, I spoke to him after on the webcast, which they didn't run that interview till later in the day. But um, he just said he woke up not feeling human. Just said, um, oh, excuse me, he, he woke up, said he feeling a bit funny and then he kind of, you know, mentioned that, you know, hey, I'm human and just today wasn't my day. Um, oh, I was going to say, what did you mean? He oh, said yeah. he woke up not feeling human. That yeah, was going to no, be a really interesting time. <laughs> well, it still kind of caught me off guard because someone of his level, he doesn't wake up feeling off very often. And even even in that situation where he wasn't like so far behind or anything like that, he even had a little wave there where I thought he probably could have grinded out of four, you know, a couple of cutties and a big end section hit, who knows, but he just decided to kick out. Um Seth had a couple of opportunities. Um, you know, if I'm critical of Seth's performance, I think it would be he knew he could probably just get two fives and get it done. Um, and he certainly surfed that way. Seth had a big moment at the start of the heat that he fell on, which would have been really cool. But then other than that, Seth sort of just got the job done, nothing too crazy. And it was just a pretty pretty normal kind of a, a heat, really. Um, I think probably... If Gabriel had his time again, he, he might look to try to maximise one of those waves where he thought didn't have the potential, but just with, you know, the clock counting down, you just ride the thing and given his talent, it, his four for him is, is doesn't take too much. Um, so, yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't, um, wasn't a crazy heat by any stretch of the imagination, but I was stoked to see young Seth get up and get a result because he certainly needed it coming into this event. Yeah, um, and, you know, ultimately, that brings us to the current leaderboard, and we have three Brazilians on top. Are you at all surprised? I am not surprised at all. I'm actually surprised to see um, Philippe win his first event. I would have thought he would have chalked up a win by now, so, yeah. I I knew he was going to do well through this Australian leg, but I didn't see it coming at this one. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, do you think, um, like, is he maybe maturing, I guess is, like, a nice way of saying it. But, like, you know, before he was seen as, like, the best small wave guy. But I think we saw in Narrabeen and uh, Newcastle that probably Italo and Gabby maybe have a bit more of that quick twitch, at least for the air stuff going on right now. But... As far as, like, those rail turns go, like, I mean, frick, man. Like, he he's come such a long way since when he first got on tour and was, like, doing these little flicky tail throw things on every wave. And, like, now he's one of the top three rail guys on tour. Like, it's, it's pretty cool. For sure. I think that, like, he still has that small wave fiber in him. He lost his heat in Narrabeen with a few things that he sort of out of his control. He broke a board going for a big air and then... Um, you know, I think he lost to Freddie, maybe, who just surfed a really, really clever heat. Um, so, or he might have lost to Konikov, and I'm not too sure. But he certainly seemed to do everything within his control to get through it. It just wasn't his day. And then, um, yeah, Newcastle, he had that. He had a crazy heat there. Uh, I think he, he obviously lost to um, maybe Italo when it was out the back and not really small, probably better suited to him than Italo would have thought. So it's like he hasn't been going bad. He got a third at Narrabeen and a 
round three at, at uh, sorry, a third at Newcastle and a round three at Narrabeen and then a win here. So I guess I'm being pretty hard on him. He's certainly fine in his rhythm. Yeah, and uh, I would say a, a good result at Lamore is all but inevitable for him. Um, Chopu obviously is not exactly his forte, but I think he should have enough points by then to solidify his place in the top five regardless. Um, he got third there one year. He's coming, he's coming a long way since early days. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so it's all kind of lining up for, I mean, we've talked about this since the beginning of the year, but with that final event, it lowers. Like if Felipe's going to have a year to win the world title, frick, man. I mean, if I'm him, I'm looking at this as like, I really need to like commit to this because he's had chances before, but with that last event at pipe, it was always going to be hard for him. Definitely. And, 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 and I kind of tried to get that out of him um, at this event. Obviously, I think every every athlete's just going to say one event at a time, one heat at a time, one wave at a time. But for sure, he's looking at that end of the year going, this is my time. For sure, he knows that. Um, and then, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Geordie can position himself prior to Tahiti because we know that the wave pool doesn't suit his frame Rotnest isn't really known for its large waves and power. And, you know, if you look at that top five now, Geordie's just hanging on there. So he, um, you know, he's got people like Griffin and Kanoa snapping at his heels, which coming into, I think, Rotnest and Lamore um, are going to be threatening to take those, those positions. Yeah. And uh, I guess before we get too much into the rest of the year, I also want to talk about the ladies in this event, um, which we, you know, we kind of skimmed over, but I, I think there's some other kind of storylines to talk about here as well. Um, what would you say was the big takeaway for you, other than our picks on actually both the men's and women's side getting decimated early on? We, we got decimated, absolutely decimated. Um, the takeaway for me was Steph Gilmore finding some grit again. She... Look, three heats in a row, including the final, was behind, needed a big score, and got a big score. In the final, it wasn't enough to turn the heat. But in the dying moments of three heats in a row, she needed to turn the heat and got, uh, you know, one heat she got a 9-4, the next heat, I can't remember, but it was a big score. And then in the final, her last wave was an 8-1-7. So to see her with that kind of attitude and, and resilience to keep her head in the game um, was really refreshing to me because I've watched her in so many heats just kind of throw the towel in when we all know how talented she is and if she, you know, stuck to her guns and, and, and found the right way, she's always a chance. And I think she showed that in, in this event. So it was, um, it was cool to watch that all go down. Yeah, did you ever notice that resilience has a striking resemblance to Brazilians? <laughs> <laughs> I, there was certainly a lot of Brazilians at this event. They were brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and the cool thing about Steph is that even when she is, like, quote-unquote, you know, getting a bit gritty and digging deep, is her surfing still just looks so beautiful. Like, she never looks like she's actually, like, grinding, mm. you know? Um, some of those big sports. Sure. She got a wave 
against Nikki that speaks to that. She was sort of... They were both had a bit of a false start, her and Nikki. Nothing was really going on. Steph took off on, like, a pretty shouldery wave. We were all watching her paddle in going, oh, what's she doing here? And she did this huge fade and, like, made a fat wave steep and proceeded just to let go of, like, three variations of, you know, carving manoeuvres that got her a 717. And for anyone else, that wave was a four. And so she has that ability, and it's good to see her, you know dig deep and, and use it yeah i'm curious because steph was you know i i actually hate this term because it's so overused but i guess it would actually apply here she was just such a phenom when she was growing up like she was just so much more talented than all the other women and just won so easily that i don't think she like and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be totally wrong. She could have been training every single day of her life, but like it just didn't seem like she like had to focus super hard on like, you know, optimizing her body or whatever like that. But nowadays all the best women in the world are in the gym regularly, you know, trying to get stronger, trying to get more flexible, trying to get fitter, whatever it is. Um, do you know if Steph, like is that part of her routine or is she just kind of like cruising and just surfing cuz that's what she does? better than most all humans in the world i'd say steph's probably 80 20 in the surf train department which is big for her she used to just be a hundred zero in the surf to, to train department um i know she's been training um on the gold coast when uh, she's had the time or you know in between events this year so i think that's something that she's started to utilize a little bit more as she's gotten uh, gotten on in her career um which i feel like it can only help you right even for longevity outside of your surfing career you want to be surfing your whole life and the the stress and the torment that that, that these surfers are putting their bodies through particularly in a wave like margaret river if you're not training and keeping your body in shape like you know you could come up you could come out the other side pretty pretty beaten up yeah it's got to be annoying right like i'm sure the same thing happened with mick fanning like people saw Mick training and like then seeing the results that he got on the other side of that. And then it's like, fuck, now we all have to do this too. I'm sure Steph is kind of like, guys, can't we just all kind of like chill and just surf? (laughs) God, everyone just not have a hundred pushups and 10,000 sit-ups, but yeah, everyone's different though. Like, you know, I'm sure John trains on the secret, but like he, I'm sure he also surfing is the main factor for everyone and the, the training just sort of complements it. Um, <laughs> speaking of training, I, I, I don't think our Rottnest wildcard has been training too much. Um, uh, word on the street is he's actually a bit jealous of everyone being ripping in because Taj, I'm talking about, uh, is obviously one of the Rottnest Island wildcards and he has... His long-term trainer was John Gannon, and John Gannon um, recently moved up to the Gold Coast and has been training Mick and Parko and everyone. And um, yeah, I, I think TB might be missing a bit of that coming up to his big performance in in a few weeks' time or a week's time. Well, at least he's got some uh, good boards to choose from. I think he does actually. I think he's got a couple, a couple that he might like. We'll have to wait and see. Wonder if it'll be the red rail, the white rail, or the yellow rail. <laughs> Um, yeah, we are uh, very excited to see Taj competing in the Rottnest event. Um, 
alongside some other wild cards as well as we've had some injuries previously noted so um, I know Liam O'Brien is going to get a run uh, I know Kale Walsh is going to get a run which that's pretty exciting because he's yeah just uh, a very what would be the best term for Kale um, I think he's like the perfect wild card yeah he is he is a wild card yeah, he really yeah. is yeah, I don't think you can expect him to try and sit on anyone. Like, uh, he's just going to go for it, which is exactly what you want in a while. And isn't that right at Rado? Isn't there kind of like a right closeout air section that he could just tuck himself off? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. And then there's uh, Stu Kennedy as well, who just refuses mm. to go down. He's just like the cockroach. Stu ball. Yeah. He's getting the call up. He, he would survive a nuclear war, Stewie Kennedy. Um, I reckon that he'll be he'll be fired up. He'll be, he'll be frothing. I know he's been surfing heaps at home. Um, and, but um, can he go left? Is the just, question. You, yeah, being being from Lennox Head, um, you know, going right is obviously his forte. But stewball has got a pretty pretty nice backhand on him. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so. Uh, any before we leave the women, um, I also again want to congratulate Tati because I just go back to again that interview she did in Newcastle, where you know she kind of put herself on a bit of a pedestal, saying like, "Yeah, I'm surfing really good. Like, honestly, I feel like I deserve to make that heat uh, against. I think it was Isabel Nichols at that point, um, and it was just pretty like right. ballsy thing to come out and say." And she's backed it up now with a second and a first, her first win in like five years. So um, I love to see that sort of confidence from like anyone, especially when you can back it up. For sure. I, I think we, we gave her, you know, the, 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 the credit she deserved earlier, but I think another pat on the back for Taddy is due. Um, and the surfing she did was incredible. Like, getting upside down on that end section multiple times and, and hanging on for dear life on a few of those occasions, and she's she's the champ, un, undisputed. Although I did, I rewatched her heat with uh, your pick for the event, actually, Tyler, and I thought that either Tyler was getting way underscored or she or Tati was getting way overscored. Like, I don't know, did you watch that heat? That was, like, one of the few heats that, like, seemed a little bit weird to me. I thought... Um, I know what you're trying to say there. Um, I just think there was one wave of Tyler's, if I recall correctly, where she sort of had to make like a calculated decision to sort of get away from the end section nice and early just to make a completion. Um, uh, and I think that sort of left a few points on the table. That's that's all I remember about that heat. Um, she she completed the ride, but. Instead of getting like an eight five for maybe bashing the lip, she she I think she got like a seven five, and I think that that was sort of the difference. If she bashed the lip, she probably would have fell, but she ended up losing the heat anyway. So it might have been nice to see her try. It was quite of in quick succession. Taddy got a big score, then Tyler got a big score straight behind her. So she wasn't to know that she was in requirement of a big score. So she was probably just looking to you know get one on the board, but. I think that um, sometimes, yeah, you've got to make a judgment call and, and she went for the completion and she still got a nice score, but it didn't end up being enough to turn the heat. Yeah, so overall, um, another, I would say, successful WA event. It just seems like that place always has waves. Like that, that event, it 
is never disappointing by any means. Like there's always waves and there's always some sort of drama somehow too. Like it's a very exciting event. We always end up getting a lot of like news stories out of it. So um, yeah, I'm a fan. For sure, it's super uh, wild and raw, and the waves there's everywhere to go. If you've got um, someone that can point you in the right direction, it's heaps of heaps of good times to be had. I think it would be remiss of us to not mention Willow Hardy. She absolutely charged and did the family proud, um, and um, you know, huge future for her. And it's awesome to have these events in these parts of the world to you know give the kids something to aspire to and you know Margaret River is a big surf community but it's essentially a pretty small town so and the surrounding uh, suburbs so it's cool that they get their you know slice of the, the top surfers every every year to keep everyone in check with where the top level's at I mean I know I've benefited from it hugely even just from like a you know a, a growth perspective with whatever surf career I was in at the time, seeing the Quickie Pro come to town every year was so eye-opening because you have your local heroes, but then you see the world's best and you're like, oh, okay, that's where you need to be. So I think for young people like Willow, it's it's awesome. It gives them such um, such an eye-opening opportunity for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, speaking of which, I think Willow's 14. We have a bunch of uh, similarly aged girls right now down in Costa Rica performing uh, as the stab high ladybirds um and i will say that uh carissa's air from narabeen i think it was newcastle um yeah newcastle. might be under threat for the quote-unquote best air ever by a female um we, we've had some pretty That's what I like to hear the competition is yeah we, we've had some pretty interesting things go down um down here so uh we'll be able to release that i don't know sometime i think maybe in july but um yeah it's awesome. it's it's been pretty freaking unbelievable to see the level that these girls are at and just sending it like every single day um and it's gonna help the future of the sport which is really the big picture goal Oh, no doubt. For sure. That 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 group of girls you got down there are doing crazy things. I can't wait to watch the Yeah. Um, so, anyway, we don't have too much time left, but uh, Rado's coming up soon. Do you have a pick for the men that you think is going to do well down there? Griffin Colapinto. Hmm. I really like that pick. I, you know, I've been struggling myself to try to, like, come up with someone that i really really like and now that you say that like that makes a lot of sense but can you explain why from your point of view i think at that size variety of repertoire is going to be huge and griffin certainly has that um i know he's been working a lot on his backside surfing and he's certainly got a backside air game that can can get him huge scores as well as obviously going right so and i just think he's in a pretty good place he's had two thirds He's got that winning feeling of, of making it through a lot of heats and um, yeah, that, that's that's my justification for my pick. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, frick, I'm kind of between two people. Um, and again, I don't know this wave very well at all. I pretty much just know what I've heard from other people. Um, sounds like it's predominant left and could be anywhere from, I don't know, like three to six feet. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much right from from all accounts and, and all of my YouTube research that I've been doing. So I am, I guess, between um, a regular footer and a goofy footer, being Ryan Callanan and Ethan Ewing. Um, what's your what are your gut instincts when when I say those names? I would put Ryan in a similar category to um, to. Griffin and that uh, Ryan got a fifth in um, Newcastle. He got a fifth here. You know, you, you can't. There's no replication for making two heats. It's 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 what these guys, I think, get their most confidence from. So in the last couple of events, he's made a lot of heats. So I think that he's definitely due to make a few more. I would say the same thing about Ethan. It would have been like nice to see him get even just a ninth here. Um, so it's, it's a hard one. You hope that Ethan can continue that roll on from, um, Narrabeen, but yeah, these events come and go so quick. You've got to be staying up with the pace every event. It's still so hard for me to believe that he's only been past the third round once. Like, <laughs> I don't know. He's oh, just such a yeah, good we're surfer. All baffled. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's baffled. I know. Yeah. He's like, oh, he just puts himself in these positions where you think, oh, he's just due for at least a quarterfinal every comp. But when, yeah, you go back through and look at it, um, it doesn't happen that often for him. But it certainly should, and I, and I know he's um, still raring to go. The, the drive's still there, that's for sure. All right, well, I guess I'm going to have to go with Ryan then. And for the women, man, you know what? I'm going back to Joanne. I, I still think I saw her do a couple turns out at main break and she is just, I don't know. She's so good. Like, I just love the way she serves. She's so powerful. She gets so low to her board. And, uh, I, I think she's got a pretty good backside as well. So I'm sticking with her. You got me. I was going to go Joanne. Uh, I'll go a bit further down the ratings. I'll go an Aussie underdog. I'm going to go with Macy Callahan. She's had two massive heats going left where she's lost. And I think she's just due to due to break through. She's uh she's like the new age Laura Anover or something like that, right? Oh, I was gonna say the new age Ricardo Christie, just like putting up the hugest heat totals and still getting beaten. That's been that's been her form this year, which is it's not all bad. You just gotta keep your head up and, and know that you're ripping and you you'll get your chance. And I think that with with this wave coming up being a, a longer left, Macy's got a really quality back end and hopefully she can put it on display, even just for herself, even just to chalk up a you know, a fifth or something. I'm sure she'd be frothing on that. Um a few round three losses that have been super tough for her to swallow. The one in Narrabeen was really tight, flip a coin. The one at Margs was a little more clear cut, but she still put up such a great fight. I think she's had six losing losing with sixteen points is just the hardest thing. Yeah, on that point, uh, how's our boy Jack Robinson currently on pace to get the least rookie of the year? I know uh, he'll be right. He'll come good. Chopes is around the corner. It's crazy. I mean, he's yeah. It's like I just never. I mean, Morgan, the rise of Morgan Sibillic never saw that coming from a million freaking miles away and then uh maddie mcgillivray put together a pretty freaking solid performance in this event and i mean jack too like the heat that he lost he put up a huge heat total just happened to come up against a rampaging frenchman um 
but it, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like I, I thought Jack was a shoe in for rookie of the year, and lo and behold, he is in a precarious position. Well, he he is and he isn't. Um, Morgan's eleven, Maddie McGillray's sixteen, and Jack is equal seventeen. It's hopefully a few more events um, for everyone to kind of show their show their talents. Um, it, it's a similar thing to say Ethan as what Morgan's just been through here. You have that role, which was a crazy role, but you don't want to be chalking up any more round threes. You just want to keep that fire burning hot. Um, so it's going to be, um, you know, I think it's going to be closer than we think. Everyone has their little moment of, of you know, of glory, and Jack hasn't really had his yet. Um, it'll just be interesting to see if he gets his opportunity at the waves that we know he's he's so talented at. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I would just love to get some sort of rata report from you before the event starts. Like I want you to go surf that wave and tell us what it's actually like. Maybe even post a little uh, joyride pre-session from out there or something. I could do that. Uh, I don't like surfing the comp bank though before the comp. It's pretty eggy. You don't want to be that guy. So maybe I'll have to do it like in the dark one morning or something. I don't know. No, there's already a hundred pro surfers out there in the dark. I might just take like a wide angle video and just send it to you. How long do you guys have before the event starts? When's it start? Starts on the 16th. So um, still got a few days up their sleeve. And are you guys supposed to get some waves out there before it starts? Yep. It's actually looking pretty fun leading up to it the next couple of days. So yeah, we'll see. Everyone's got to leave here on the Thursday, get there in the afternoon and then have... Friday, Saturday warming up, and the way I see it playing out, uh, it'll be starting on Sunday, the 16th, the first day of the waiting period. looks really good. No, offshore wind and a bit of swell in the water, so obviously I've got no idea what that's going to look like. I've never been there before, but by all stretch of what my forecasting looks like, it should be a fun day. Beautiful. Well, uh, we'll be looking forward to it and hearing your dulcet tones on the microphone. Um Oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> I guess uh, for now, that's it. Thanks for listening to the Stab Cusp, and we'll see you in Rottnest Island. Stab Cusp.